This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. As mentioned, though, we said we're going to talk about a couple of old cases today. Cases that go back to the 1980s. And that includes the case of a couple of Lethbridge sisters, Anna and Kim Haxey, I believe their name is, H-A-K-Z-E. They hadn't been seen since the mid-80s. They were last seen in Edmonton back in the mid-80s, about just over 30 years ago. It wasn't until 2003 that the sisters were reported missing by their mothers. And police investigated this, spent a lot of resources investigating this. It was even concerned that maybe they had uh, fallen victim to serial killer Robert Pickton in B.C. Lethbridge police uh, put out a a few different alerts and news releases about this. The most recent uh, example of that was in 2015 when there were a handful of cold cases uh, that the Lethbridge police were trying to uh, make some progress on. Well, turns out these sisters are alive and well in the United States. So what's been going on over all these years? Joining us to talk more about it, very pleased to welcome to the program here today, Staff Sergeant Scott Woods with the Lethbridge Police Service. Sergeant, thanks for joining us here. Hey, my pleasure. All right. So as mentioned, and just to clarify the point, these sisters were last seen in the, the 1980s, but it wasn't until 2003, right, that they were reported missing? Yeah, that's correct. We received their first first became involved in this investigation in 2003 when their mother reported them missing. Again, uh, we quickly learned that the last time they were seen alive was by family in Edmonton in the mid 80s. So obviously that uh, presented a number of challenges just right from the the get go and uh, trying to investigate when uh, we were already sort of uh, um, behind the ball to start it. Now, how do police handle a situation like that? Because I guess adults do have the ability, I suppose, that they just want to separate themselves from everybody they know, separate themselves from their family and just start a new life. I guess they can do that. But if there's something to be concerned about, police need to take that seriously. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, we we have a, a couple different roles on there. We were certainly the the first role was to try and uh, find these individuals to uh, have the the people get reunited or give them the peace of mind that they're alive and well. Secondly, too, is if there is any type of foul play that we need to be concerned about as we you know venture down the investigative path on these. All right. So you would receive a, a report like that, or someone would contact police, you know, years after the the women were last seen, and, and say, you know, I believe that they are missing. There was a belief, maybe that that something bad had happened. So, where do police even begin then in a situation like that? Well, we try to. We always like to begin at the beginning, and unfortunately, in this one, there were some challenges initially with that. So we would want to go back to ultimately where were they last seen, by whom, what were they doing, and then and start to trace backwards, including. Um, you know, just a, a good history on the individual or individuals we're looking for as far as, uh, you know, a lifestyle uh, investigation on them as far as, you know, what type of person are they, what type of activities do they do, uh, where do they like to go, what the, you know, what do they, they do on their downtime, where do they work, all these things, including, you know, uh, in this day and age where cell phones are big, they're, they allow us to... Um, you know, potentially locate people sooner, uh, banking records, those types of things. We try to basically find out where they last were and and work our way backwards uh, to get a good understanding of the individual we're looking for to help us try and determine where they may have gone, you know, because the reality of it is most of us are creatures of habit. And so those types of habits tend to assist us in finding people. And then if it's 
you know, something outside the ordinary, then we have to look at anything and everything, and that includes, you know, uh, doing media canvases, even just uh, looking at the areas of last scene, area searches, checking for video surveillance, anybody that has any type of information, uh, interviewing people known to the individual that's missing or relatives and friends and employers and all those types of things that try to give us a, or try to paint the picture for us as to moving forward as what potentially might have happened or where they may have gone. And I guess it was weird in this case because there was there was nothing, right? No, no real indication of what had happened to them. No, and uh, yeah, so it was it was challenging to uh, to to say the least. But I mean, you know, we always move um, in the direction forward. Sometimes we move a little slower than than we'd like, or uh, but we we keep moving forward. And then, uh, like I said, there's there's many different things. Uh, Many, you always get information from people that leads you to talk to somebody else or to look into something else. And unfortunately, for many, many years, uh, in this particular case, uh, we ended up with many uh, dead ends and then many different detectives uh, over a case of uh, this year, and some of which have long since retired from our police service um, who started out with uh, this investigation. So, you know, other things as far as we'll do checks, and then you had talked about it earlier, because we had some information early on in this investigation that they potentially we were out in the Vancouver area, and again, when the Robert Pickton investigation came to a head, it was just uh, an avenue that we wanted to explore as well um, uh, to eliminate that they may have or may not have, uh, in this case, obviously fallen victim to, to Mr. Pickton. So uh, we had sent uh, some DNA in, out there to have checked, and, and uh, obviously, you know, we, we look at trying to get fingerprints run through different systems uh, by different authorities to try and see if, uh, you know, a person would show up one place or the other to get give us a, a bit of a direction to keep going. All right. So, and look, I mean, that happens sometimes. Cases go cold, you, you hit a dead end, and there's not much more you can do. So what what surfaced here? How did you find out that they were uh, alive and in the United States? Well, what we do uh, as, a, as a, a practice here in Lethbridge is we do an annual file review on any of our unsolved investigations every year. So that includes either the current investigator or a different investigator with a fresh set of eyes looking at it. In this case, we had the opportunity uh, to give it to a, a new investigator, someone who had uh, no involvement in this file. And um, when they t- took the file over, they, as they were going through all the, the different steps and avenues that we had taken and people that we had talked to and, and these sorts of things, they had noted this officer uh, very diligently noticed that um, there was a theft report that had been filed back in 1999 with the Vancouver Police. Uh, under a, an alias name that we believed that uh, Anna was using at the time. Um, so when we looked at our file, we, we, for some reason we couldn't find this report, so we made a request out to the Vancouver Police who provided us with this report. Um, as we looked into this, this, this 1999 theft report again, we, we determined that it was not Anna. However, there was some other information related to that file that was worthy of following up. And uh, it also some of the information we found in that theft report actually corroborated some information on a Crime Stoppers tip that we received back in 2012. So again, moving forward on that, uh, some of the information uh, that came up was uh, back to related to this uh, Crime Stopper tip, identified two women, one um, potentially being an author of several books um, and another female that was using another alias that was also had been known to be used by Kim. So we continued down that path and uh, led us to uh, a woman in Vancouver, actually, who had saved a newspaper clipping uh, back from 1984 uh, that was advertised by a book written by uh, 
a woman that she thought had an unusual name. Uh, so as we started to look into it a little bit further and said, you know, this is a similar name to the person we're looking for. We started doing some online searches of the author's name uh, from this Crime Stoppers uh, tip, and we uh, located a recent news story which included a photo of the author and uh, the area that this author was currently living in. When we looked at the photo, it was, you got, you got to understand too, uh, like when these um, ladies went missing, you know, uh, one was 43 and one was 29 at the time, and now we're looking at ages of 67 and 53 respectively. There was a resemblance, but nothing that would definitively tell us that this is our person we're looking for. So we continue to... Um, um, keep digging into that, um, looking for other records uh, relating to this author, uh, which ultimately led us to uh, some follow-up uh, into the United States. And uh, very fortunate through uh, some of the records that they keep in the United States to, to obtain a fingerprint or fingerprints of both these sisters, which we had some on file already uh, related to our investigation. We compared them, had a positive match, uh, checked into the information systems in the jurisdiction in the United States, confirmed that they were still alive and well, and then basically continued to work on it until we uh, were able to uh, fairly confidently believe that we located the, the you know the location of where they're living, uh, enlisted the services of the jurisdiction of the police service down in that area to go out and, and actually track down um, the sister Kim. And uh, we we're successful in uh, having that law enforcement agency do that. And then when they spoke to her, they uh, learned very quickly that she was, in fact, Kim uh, Haskey, who was reported missing. So mm -hmm. it all just came to care, uh, together very quickly for us. Um, from that, we also learned that Anna was alive and well. Um, uh, also in the United States, and, um, and away we went, and we were able to positively uh, identify everybody. Were they surprised that you were looking for them? Yes. Uh, in fact, Kim uh, told us that uh, she was unaware that she had even been reported missing. Basically, the, the both sisters had walked away from their lives you know, decades ago for uh, reasons known to them and uh, weren't quite aware uh, that family had su such an interest in them. And obviously living in another country, they obviously weren't privy to some of the things uh, media-wise, et cetera, that we've been doing. So do you think it would be unfair to, to blame them for the amount of resources devoted to this investigation? Yeah, we're certainly not going to blame uh, anybody for anything. I mean, this is part of what we do. Uh, uh, we're in the, the business of, uh, you know, getting to the bottom of things and asking questions, and, and we deal with a number of uh, different uh, uh, missing persons. And you know what? You never know until you know. Uh, so we're certainly uh, not looking to blame anyone. We're, we're, in fact, quite ecstatic that we were able to get the result that we did to uh, uh, the family here that's locally because so often in our business that we are the... Uh, we deliver we deliver not so good news yeah, and or not able to even provide uh, the answers that families looking for because as these go on longer and longer and we've experienced these in a couple of our other ongoing missing person investigations just some of the people that were around 20 or 30 years ago when we first talked to them are no longer around and that again uh, provides a number of challenges so we're we're, we're very happy to uh, um, get to the point where we're at because uh, like I said we don't we don't see this result often enough in our business. Yeah, no kidding. Well, there you go. So quite a story. Uh, Staff Sergeant Woods, thanks so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it. All right. My pleasure. All right. Take care. There you go. Staff Sergeant uh, Scott Woods with the Lethbridge Police Service. So yeah, not often that you get to close uh, the book on a cold case like this and do so with a happy ending.
as he says, usually uh, it's going to end badly or you're just never going to know. So really interesting case here. And yeah, like he says, these these two women just wanted to start a new life, get away from from their family. There were some issues there. Uh, And so that's exactly what they did. They just kind of disappeared, started a new life in the United States. And they say they didn't know the police were looking for them. Do you think there's any obligation on people, though, who do that? I get if you want to just, you know, get away from it all. You don't like your life. You don't like the people around you. You don't like your situation. It's time to just go and start again brand new somewhere else. Should you let somebody know? Should you leave some kind of note somewhere just in case? Because what if somebody does call the police and say, I have no idea what happened to so-and-so? Uh, and now you got cops running around all over the place uh, trying to find out what happened to you. Anyway, very interesting story. 403-974-8255 is our number. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.